0: There is a quote that says that the body reveals the person. And if we don't know our body, then we can't know our person. Well, this is why I and so many of us at Ink Nutrition are such big proponents for testing, whether that be blood work testing, nutrient analysis, body scans for bone density. There's so many things to learn about our bodies that we don't know about it, even though we've lived in it for so many years and decades. Guys, it's so important. And so the fact that we're able now to offer services where people can learn their bodies more It's something you can take with you for the rest of your life. We've really dived deep in this episode about the different nutrients, not just about the essential ones, right? Not just about the ones that the United States recognizes as essential to live, but the ones that we as credentialed health experts recognize as essential to thrive. And so this is exciting because now we are making it available. You can get your blood work tested through Inc. Nutrition, through Integrated Nutrition Consultants, and um, through LabCorp um, in our partnership. It's really exciting. Health insurance covers some of it, hopefully most of it. And yeah, um, learn about your body right that's the big take-home message today and there's so much to discover and so it's kind of exciting there's a lot to learn hope you enjoy this episode it's really a good one especially if you're looking to get a good foundation in nutrition for your 2024 thanks guys for listening all the love the whole healing podcast healing through nutrition by connecting your mind body and food
1: what's uh what's intriguing you these days in the research
2: yeah thank you there are a lot of things jack um <laughs> you know the whole world of uh psychedelics is kind of blowing up the mental health world and also this new field called nutritional psychiatry is kind of intriguing it's you know finally doctors are figuring out that nutrition does affect our brain and our mental health so that's been kind of fascinating to get involved with
1: mm-hmm. yeah is- so is it getting to the point where psychiatrists are actually like prescribing nutrition in a, in some way, in some form?
2: Some are, not very much, yeah. because still in medical school, doctors get no training in nutrition, absolutely zero. And I've just confirmed that with some uh, students that I work with, at least at most medical schools. There are some that are teaching some nutrition, but it's an exception rather than the rule. So psychiatrists are having to learn on their own uh, do some self-study to learn about nutrition and yes there are some that are starting to make uh, actual recommendations about dietary interventions but it's it's very few and far between still
1: Mm -hmm. yeah we're catching up it's a I mean and obviously as you know like there are many many scenarios where medication is is necessary needed and warranted Um, but I don't know if we think enough about you know using nutrition foods certain supplements as the first line right and then going from there
2: i agree i think historically no physicians did not but a lot of physicians are realizing that they have a lot of uh potential ways of helping people they were missing out on and also some of the medications we use are becoming more controversial you know because we find there are more side effects that we didn't know about or even maybe some of the studies weren't as uh, well done as uh, we thought they were. there some people are really coming out strongly against some of the like SSRIs even saying that they're not as effective. and They cause a lot more side effects than we realize. So I think there' a lot of psychiatrists are looking for alternative uh, strategies for helping people besides just prescribing the same medicines over and over.
0: I actually had a someone call me because of course, like we're you know, we're in network with health insurances, and somebody was looking for you, Dad. And I was able to convince someone like, hey, if you're like looking for an alternative treatment to to your mental health and and, you know, we're not accepting new patients for psychiatry, and it's really hard to find a psychiatrist because there's not enough of them out there. Um, might want to consider like using nutrition as a as a therapy for your mental health. And so, <clears throat> actually, guys, I did my first lab core order. I wrote orders. I've written orders for now for a couple people to do a basic metabolic panel and a vitamin D panel. And this guy is um, he's plant based and he lives in um, Los Angeles. And um, we did a vitamin D panel on him, and sure enough, his vitamin D level is like you know with a normal reference range of 30 to 100. 20 or 30 to being insufficient. He was at 15. He was deficient. Uh-huh. Um, and um, so we got him on a vitamin D protocol. Um, and you know, I think it's in a I've I've seen it before where I have people who are at another girl who was Hispanic and her vitamin D levels were so low low when she started supplementing with vitamin D, she's noticed a difference in her mental well-being, like less aggression, less depression, because vitamin D helps um calcium absorption. And I think with calcium being such an important role in, in neurotransmission in our um, neurological system. I think it's really important that we kind of look at vitamin D um, a, as a as a therapy for mental health.
2: That sounds great. You know, and it's not one of the standard tests that's done by most psychiatrists. You know, they'll look at thyroid if someone's depressed, but they don't typically look at vitamin levels or nutritional levels at all. So I think it's great, Jenna, that you did that.
1: I think it's pretty clear that there, at least a very, very strong correlation with depression, anxiety, vitamin D deficiency. I don't know the causal relationship there, but that would be my first thing that I would do. If I saw someone who was dealing with anything mood related and their vitamin D levels were a little low, That I mean, that would be a priority, 100%. Um, I mean, it behaves like a hormone in the body. I think that's what makes it very unique compared to other uh, vitamins and minerals. What uh, what would be the other areas of priority, right? Specifically with I, depression, let's say, right? With, with nutrition. I mean, you see a lot of stuff with omega-3s, right? We're just reducing inflammation, neuroinflammation. And then there are several specific herbs, I think, and supplements that have, you know, are starting to gain a lot of traction and
3: the the vitamins too a little bit. We talked about vitamin D, but vitamin B12 as well, especially within women who are on birth control, um, is something that I look at strongly because they have linked, um, women on birth control with, um, slightly greater risk of B12, like folate deficiencies. And we do see increased risk of like depression, like symptoms, anxiety, mood swings, then irritability, things like that with a B12 deficiency. And I don't think it's really, um, as discussed, and a lot of women on birth control don't even know that they're at greater risk. Yeah, Uh, B-complex, right? Like a B-complex for women is so huge for that reason. Huge, completely, completely. So that's something along with vitamin D um, that I try to emphasize too when I'm working with women um, is, are you on birth control? Um, How is your mood? Um, What's your food intake like? Things like that. Um, And I think the B-complex, exactly, um, can be a really powerful um, supplementation as well.
0: I think, um, while we're on the topic of like nutrients, choline, right. Choline. Cause like, again, I, I, I like put BP, I put these people's food recalls into chronometer, or my MyFitnessPal pal, whatever app. And it kind of spits out all of their micronutrients. And it's like, what is typically missing is B vitamins. Sure enough, Emily, um, vitamin D and, and choline and choline is this thing. That's like really eggs are a really good source. Um, but who eats eggs on, on regular occasions? Some people do, some people don't, um, some people have food sensitivities to eggs. And so where are we getting our choline from? And choline makes acetylcholine a primary neurotransmitter in our nervous system. And I don't think that people really think about that one so much. So when you supplement with choline, I do notice personally a big difference in my mental cognition and my neurological system in general. And and I can like feel my vagus nerve, you know what I mean? I can feel it active. Um, so that's pretty powerful too. Uh,
1: you totally, that's not talked about much at all. I, I was never, I never learned about that one. I, I mean, I think there, you run the risk at becoming, uh, just off in some way, if you're deficient in any of these essential nutrients, uh, I mean, they're essential for a reason. I think we could argue that maybe there's some additional ones that should become essential or part of the RDA. I don't, you know, that. I, yeah, I, I just, I am always going to be a big proponent of, of a a variety of minimally processed, whole, fresh foods. And I I just think that, you know, maybe supplements are warranted. I do think they are in many cases, if you really want to optimize your life, optimize your mood, optimize mental, physical health. Um, But I would always start with where are the gaps that can be filled with your actual food intake, right? Um, And how's the access to those foods? What's the easiest way that we can include new, truly nutrient dense phytonutrient dense uh, foods? Right? Financially able, like and you, you know, you want to maximize. It, there's supplements will make a difference.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You brought up the RDA again, and I think it's such mm-hmm. an important thing to talk about because, like, the RDA, like what pinpoints thirty-two vitamins and minerals. Doesn't include antioxidants. It doesn't include silica. It doesn't include um CoQ10. It doesn't include dietary nitrates. Like all these things that are like we I kind of it kind of goes back to our conversation about like fiber, right? It's not an essential nutrient to live, but it is an essential nutrient to thrive. And do we really just want to be surviving or do we want to be thriving? And like why? are we so confined to the RDAs, these 32 nutrients when like a lot of the time we're getting a lot of these from our diet. And a lot of the time, these nutrients that are not even included in the RDAs are things that we're not getting enough of. And they just get overlooked and overseen and and, and forgotten about. And then we're wondering why we have all these problems with joint health, with neurological health. Well, it's because we're not focusing on these nutrients that are not commonly food found in a lot of foods.
2: Does anyone know when the RDAs were last updated? <laughs> I, I, think the
1: last, at least the last vitamin and my last micronutrient was B12, um, to be added right on the RDA list, which I, I think is in the, was in the fifties. it is something wow. like, and so I don't know re- truly how, how often this is, you know, Institute of medicine, right. That's what, you know, creates these, how often they really revisit this and how systematic it is. And I know that like vitamin D, as we were just talking about is a big one that they need to, i think they what upped it by like a tiny bit may, uh, as of recent but I, it's still in my opinion lower than what it needs to be so yeah mm-hmm. Mitch, do you know is it do you know how often they are so like how often they they revisit these oh, yeah. so i
0: just i just googled it real quick and and it looks like they updated them in 2016 but before that it was 1968
1: it's, that's crazy
0: Wow. yeah
1: that's wow. wild to me and and so like yeah we I think, uh, and anyone who looks at the essential nutrient list, like in the back of a, whatever, a textbook they're they're going to think like, that's all we need and not to mention a lot of those are created and established, uh, like as the minimum amount that you need to prevent a certain illness or disease. Right. Um, and, and so there's so like, when you talk about, okay, well, how much do I need to really live an optimal life and feel the best? probably going to need higher amounts in, in most of those. I was just looking at the RDA
0: for vitamin E because um, this was um like the RDA for vitamin E specifically was based off of research studies done in the 1950s on men. Um, and so it's not, um it's not relevant to women and women have more fat yeah. than men and vitamin E is a fat soluble vitamin. I mean, like what, like, what are all the implications there? And this is a nationwide, you know, government um, supported recommendation. I think we're just so far off. And that's and that's not even vitamin D. Can we talk about vitamin D for a second again? Like the 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 RDA for vitamin D is 700 IU's. With this guy who has a rec- who had vitamin D deficiency, I recommended 50,000 IU's once weekly as bolus dose to, and retest, you know, regularly to to check levels until they're replenished. Cause I've seen people who can replenish in as little as six weeks with a 50,000 IU bolus dose once a week. And I've seen people who it takes nine months to do it. And so it depends on your absorption capacity. It depends on, you know, what you're eating. It depends on a lot of different factors, genetic. So, um, I, I'm just, I'm so insulted by the, <laughs> by the vitamin D RDA. That's the, that's just, maybe if we were pioneers and we were living outside all the time, but we live underneath ceilings and behind walls. And we do not receive enough sunlight to have only 700 IUs. That's, it's so criminal mm-hmm. to me to hear that.
1: Different populations, different um, ethnic- ethnicities require different amounts depending on skin tone. Also, where you are latitude-wise, right, in, in relation uh, to your, like, it's the sun exposure, right? If you live closer to the equator, you can absorb adequate amounts year-round. But if you're in a northern state, northern hemisphere, you actually cannot absorb the, the right amount in the, in the colder months. So there's a lot of variables. And I, I just, I think that it's just like it's the case with so many things in the world of health and nutrition. It's like, it's often viewed as black and white and it's not, very rarely the case, which is where we come in, where we can help.
0: <laughs> I think so. Cause I think the question is, is like if nutritional psychiatry is becoming a thing, right? Which I think it will. Um, and physicians don't receive any <laughs> education on nutrition. And you know, psychiatrists are physicians. Like, how does this work? How do we? And especially, you know, honestly, we got to have the conversation too with dietitians because if we're solely basing our information and our practice off of the RDAs, then we are doing a huge disservice to this country. We cannot just use the government as the gold standard. It's just, it's just not a gold standard.
1: <laughs> it can be a tool, right? And I, and I often show people. Like Okay, well, if you want to just meet these baseline needs, here's like an example, like the variety of foods you really do need, and you do need a lot. And it's like, you can use it. But it's, it's, um again, it's just it's just part of the picture. And I, and I think there's just a whole lot more. And we're learning more every week when it comes to research.
3: Mm-hmm, completely. And I think that's why I like our approach on asking more questions than just like, what do you eat in the day, right? It's like, what's your lifestyle, like your stress, like your sleep, like all these other factors that just have such a big implication. So I think that we can kind of use our best, um, educated, like knowledge and say, okay, based on X, Y, Z factors, you probably need a little more vitamin D beyond just the RDAs value. So. Mm -hmm.
1: Miss, do you think it's being received well in your circle, the nutritional psychiatry? (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, it depends on which circle, Jack. Yeah, uh, yeah sure. <laughs> in, in the general field of psychiatry, no. Um, yeah. Among younger psychiatrists, yes, they're much more open to new possibilities. I think it's something that, again, we need education. And I really, I think most of it comes from you guys. I mean, you, a lot of doctors learning from their registered dietitians they work with or, you know, about the impact of diet and, and vitamins, supplements um, on their mental health issues Um, I just wonder, is it something that you guys check regularly, Jim, do you check vitamin D levels very often? Or is that something new you started doing?
0: We should, we should make it a protocol, honestly, I think we should have it as for every single patient. We write a blood order, you get your vitamin D checked. That'd be amazing. I'd be so happy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we can now that we have lab core, right? Like dietitians are legally allowed to write orders for blood work. As long as it pertains to nutrition and vitamin D is so pertaining to nutrition. So why don't we all just get blood work done for vitamin A or for vitamin D Let alone, Mm -hmm. you know, a basic metabolic panel, which you're entitled to at least once a year with your health insurance. And that gives you at least a baseline, like a snapshot. It's not very in depth, but at least it gives you an idea of where your kidneys, your liver, your, your blood lipids, your glucose is at like, everybody should know that stuff. Like, just like you get your blood pressure checked, Just like, you know, your heart rate, just like, you know, your, I don't know how, how many hours a night you sleep.
2: And you know, mm-hmm. I will tell you, that is not a routine order that doctors check when people come in and like primary care docs check. And you know, I just looked to see how common is it? Does anybody have any guesses how common vitamin D deficiency is in the U.S.? I didn't know.
1: Oh, well, I yeah, I think it, if it's insufficient versus deficient.
2: Well, the study I just looked at from um, Cleveland Clinic says at least 35% have deficiency. I don't deficiency. know it's deficiency, yeah. So that's one in three people that, we, and probably higher in the population that you guys are seeing too have vitamin D deficiency. That's a simple, easy thing you can do to, to really help them out just get their vitamin D levels up.
0: I love that idea, dad. That's a great idea.
2: That's just one thing.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. right. And gosh, like that's the cool thing about LabCorp is that we're just getting our, our and, and, and any blood testing facility that we use, we're just getting our feet wet. And so like, we could get into so much testing. Now, I, 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 I don't think that blood tests are accurate for a lot of different nutrients, like magnesium, like calcium, like our blood levels are gonna be so much different than our whole overall bone structure. Um, and, and what, where that's has, there's different better tests for different things. I recommend Dutch test tenfold for, for hormones versus a blood test. Um, so yeah, but I think that we could, we could run, we can, we can do all these tests where healthcare practitioners, it's a matter of whether or not health insurance covers it. But I do think that like, it's worth it to offer these things and talk to people about these things so that you just know your body.
1: I think it takes functional nutrition to a, a real place. That should be a part of the assessment, right? To actually get objective data on where some things are on there with their health. Can't tell the whole picture, but it can help paint a decent amount.
2: You know, and it's something, it's a great idea. I just looked at vitamin B12 deficiency. I didn't know, but it depends on age, but folks like myself that are over 60, um, it's 25% or 20% in the U.S. are B12 deficient. So mm-hmm. if you might even think about putting together a protocol, of what kind of labs do you want to do on incoming new folks that mm-hmm. might identify deficiencies that you could then uh, help them Correct.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good suggestion. He's just making it accessible. Yep. Yeah, I mean, LabCorp now is very helpful. The insurance component, and all that. But there's no doubt that it it should should be implemented in
2: our practice. I don't know about iron deficiency. How common that is? I'd be curious to find out. Again, um, especially in women, it might be more common. Here it is. Yeah. So it and even postmenopausal women, 17% are iron deficient. So again, maybe screening iron. B12, vitamin D, or a few of the things we could think about that might be useful Mm -hmm. to the people coming in. And again, they're probably not iron, they're probably getting checked with their primary care, but maybe not. And B12 and vitamin D, almost certainly they're not, unless they've been identified as having problems.
1: You can only know so much from that standard, right? complete blood count.
0: But I think that, again, there's like, there's testing that we can do to figure out other things. Like DEXA scans are great for, for bone integrity. Um, And we can write orders for DEXA scans, um, I believe. Um, also like, um, again, the Dutch test, I really, really, really think if people saw like their cortisol levels through the roof and like, they're like, I feel fine. Well, that's because your cortisol so high, <laughs> you know, like things like that, um, yeah, helping people understand their conditions and their bodies. And in, in a way that like would just is scientific and, and cut and dry like that. I think it'd be mm-hmm. really helpful. Brittany, we should definitely consider maybe like something for the website, like a, a page or, you know, on our offerings, you know, um, even like as a package deal, we could do like, um, you know, like blood work just like writing blood work for people
3: Sorry, or even just like a session on where to start because i think some people are intimidated with the idea of nutrition and maybe they know that they want to work on something but they're not exactly sure what that could be it's so maybe just like a discovery session where it's like yeah look at everything and see where it would be the most influential
1: I think a lot of people know some general recommendations on 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 what to do in a sense I mean we we're we can really help and guide there but most people know they need to eat more fruits vegetables you know lean protein grain whole grains whatever it is but it's that like we're we're behavioral where we can change behavior and habits like that's a whole other side of it and I think um, having one-on-one sessions can just help tremendously and so it's 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 a combo. And so figuring out truly where we can help, best help each person is the key. People are all, some are very, very motivated and just need to be told. Okay. I just need to help me know what to do to get my levels up on here and there. I have these habits that have, that you know, I, it's been 20 years and I can't, I can't seem to be consistent here. So that's a whole nother style of session too, which is why we have a thorough assessment.
0: Yeah. I just met with a client this morning, literally. And like people get anxiety when they meet with us, right? Like, like people mm-hmm. that I'm really, really close to that I've known for years, like want to meet with me. Um, and, and, and they get anxiety about meeting with me because I think I'm gonna tell them what not to eat or how to restrict. And, mm-hmm. and there's, they get such a high after leaving. Cause it's like, not that at all. It's like, Hey, what are we going to add to your life? Right. But I think also, um, you know, I had to tell this, this client today, like, Hey, um, I don't want you to even look at vegetables for the next month or two, um, because like you have such a altered relationship with food that you like, you just need to like give yourself unconditional permission to eat whatever you want, whatever you want. Um, that's really scary for people, but like we have to do the hard things and, and like, it's not I mean, nobody in, the, in a million years would think they'd come to a nutritionist and tell and, and have them have a nutritionist tell them like, hey, don't eat vegetables. Like, <laughs> but like sometimes that is the therapy. Sometimes that is the the point um, to get people where they need to be. So it's just about meeting people where they're at, right? And I don't think people know where they're at because they're so immersed in, in in where they're at. They don't they don't have an outside perspective, and that's all we are. We're just a mirror. We're just mirroring people so they can see what's going on. I think that's I think that's our job as dietitians. It's not to tell people what to do. It's to, it's to show them what they're doing and and show them. What they think they need to do to be successful. At most, I think that's our job.
2: I'm curious. Do you have any idea what percentage of the clients you guys are seeing have mental health issues? Is it a small percent? Is it a large Nine. percent?
0: Define mental health issues. Stress. <laughs> do you consider stress, stress a mental health
2: issue? Stress, depression, anxiety, insomnia—just those.
0: Ninety-nine percent.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say yeah. Uh, for a level of stress, in terms of uh, a diagnosed condition, yeah. If no, if I had to ballpark for for me anyways yeah I mean uh in that world with with mental health I mean a quarter maybe right something like that um but I've been seeing a fair amount of well I mean depression very common right we know that one uh generalized anxiety and insomnia though you just mentioned that I've had a few as of recent um with with that too and so that's that's uh, yeah, deeply I know there, there's a lot there depending on how long they've had it, what kind of medications they're on and hormones and, um but yeah, maybe you're on a quarter. Like, what about you, Emily?
3: I was gonna say I would say like sixty to sixty to seventy percent of my clients have like diagnosed wow. uh, mental health conditions from anxiety to depression, um, a range. But yeah, mm-hmm. I would say I'm on the higher end. Um at mm-hmm. least you work
0: with women too, and I wonder if is, that, is there a higher incidence of mental health issues with women than men?
2: uh generally yes depression's higher anxiety's higher even in why some yes those three are definitely are higher in women than men
0: why is that
2: nobody knows for sure don't know if it's hormonal is it stress don't know um, but it definitely is true um so you guys could be doing a huge service for people just identifying some of the def- uh, nutritional deficiencies that are causing or contributing to some of these problems because again they're not going to get screened for these in their primary care office their psychiatrist's office The vast majority of the time, you guys could really kind of save their lives, you know, in terms of identifying some deficiencies and helping them get straightened out on them. That could be a big service you could provide.
0: I appreciate us talking about this and having this conversation. You know, it's kind of more of like a mental health, nutrition, business conversation. But it's exciting to be able to say that we can offer these things for people because I don't think that people know how deficient they are until they see the paperwork and it's black and white for them. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, there's something I can do to change and help myself here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Absolutely.